Rama, ooh la la, morbid. Romance. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Morbid Romance cast welcomes season six, episode three, baby. Um, we are here. This is Book Record Beer, and we have a wonderful, fantastic guest today who has picked this cast, and I'm going to introduce her and uh, my my fellow casters in just a second. First, Kaylee Tedesco, our guest today. Say hello to the odd. Hello, audience. <laughs> hello, listener. Uh, Eric, how are you? Um, Nick, say hello. Hello to all of our fan. <laughs> and Daniel, <laughs> say what up. What up? Can we do the, Can we? Can I say what's up? Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, of things that never need to come back. Right. Oh, but it was such a it was such a brilliant time when that was. Me- remember know. the frogs. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. I just, just there was actually a number of iterations. <laughs> that was pretty yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the penguins, I think, the Dooby Dooby Doo penguins. Were oh my god, the golden age of uh, fantastic. Talk about advertising. Super Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, that, that was that was an age. Um, so, <laughs> right. so what are we what are we doing, Kelly? What did you pick? Uh, bring us in. Tell 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 us what we are going to be looking at today for our season six episode three morbid romance cast or February cast. So okay, we have uh, the Lolo Woods, which is a compilation of six comic books by Carmen Maria Mercado, uh, for all intents and purposes, a graphic novel. Uh, and mm-hmm. illustrated by Danny. Um, and then we have the album Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Um, and I think a uh, various choice of uh, beverages today. <laughs> that is correct. And our marquee beverage is going to be Nick Gregorio's fantastic choice. Uh, sheer brilliance, I'd say, um, given given the, the book, of course. Uh, Nick, what you have there? It is uh, Workhorse's Bonfire Nights. It is a smoked lager. Smoked lager. Mm. I uh, I actually did go looking for that at the one local joint over here, and they didn't have any smoked lagers. Bummer. And I was like, you have the chalada, but not <laughs> the smoked lagers. Like, how do you have such super specific this, but not that? Every uh, brewery right now has a mango IPA <laughs> and no <laughs> smoked lagers. <laughs> and it's such a brilliant time for smoked lagers, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dig in here without much uh, ado but i i will be introducing you all as uh pennsylvania towns because in um in a sort of really fantastic way the graphic novel and our author are both uh based in pennsylvania um and so i am going to if i were to introduce you as towns in pennsylvania i'm going to introduce you guys as towns in pennsylvania what would they be you ask i'll tell you uh nick gregorio yep you would be newcastle pennsylvania why yes why that's the hometown of trent reznor i thought you'd think that's badass so i I just picked that (laughs) why is he from uh i didn't know he's from pennsylvania he is. He's a Pennsylvania boy. Um, he absolutely is. He got famous in Chicago because he went out to be a uh, engineer, sound engineer. Uh, I'm not sure if it was with Albini, but it was around Albini's time in Chicago. I thought it was like um, civil engineer. Like I, that's that's cool. <laughs> he was designing highways. <laughs> no, he uh, yeah he went out to do that, 
Um, and that's pretty much why he was able to produce all the nail stuff because he just knew what the fuck he was doing. Very good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Daniel DeFranco, you will be York, Pennsylvania oh, because no. of your affinity for live, how much you love live, but more I so do. because. Um, was I just do. talking about them yesterday. <laughs> no shit. That's why. Um, mostly because, though, uh, York, Pennsylvania, all, a.k.a. shit town, um, <clears throat> is a place that I. You haven't been, right? You've never been? To York? Yeah. Yeah. You have. Yeah, I just I just uh, weekended there uh, <laughs> not long ago. That's where I summer. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I, so, yeah, I picked that, uh, well, just because of our history with the band live, and I thought that would be funny as well. Um, and... And that's that's just about also it's shit town. And it's funny because much like Maniunk, there's like these lines where like if you go this way, you're going to encounter definitely some flat backed headed crackheads. And if you go the <laughs> other way, you're going to encounter some very wealthy, you know, people and yeah. stuff. So, um, yeah, the downtown area is coming up. There's a lot of nice restaurants and kind of gastro pubs. Yeah, I mean, it is like sort of this. It's in an interesting spot where you could see it you know being gentrified and growing so mm -hmm. that's interesting that's going that way uh and kelly you are of course easton pennsylvania because it's uh super haunted the Ooh. most haunted town in pennsylvania so that is why i chose easton for you awesome yes is that because of all of the um criminals all of the criminals at easton uh oh, yeah I, I just think there was yeah quite a bit of of tragedy there and uh you know there's a there's just you know spirits floating around. There's a you know people in touch with that other vibration. It's on will. the Jersey border too, so that's got to be spooky. <laughs> yeah, and I a mean, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> dumped, dumped bodies, you know. Yeah. You know, who, who knows what's going on there? Um, yeah, but don't go over there. That's Jersey. <laughs> dumped body. Although unfortunately, yeah, that's a that's a tangent. But there was there was one dumped on the drive on uh, Thursday or Friday. Oh, I saw Wednesday. that on the news. That's Wednesday. horrifying. Yeah, oh, that no. was horrifying. Yeah. What Kelly Drive? Yeah, gunshot victim who was then burned and then oh dumped God. on uh, Kelly Drive. Yeah, so I didn't hear about that. The, the the drives got some got some spiritual entities as well. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, intense. Nick. Mahalik, if I was to introduce you as a town from Pennsylvania. He almost skipped I, you, too. That was good. I saw him like, whiz right there, Daniel. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would be, um, uh, I'm fa my, my French isn't so good, but I think it's pronounced <laughs> le tits. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Home of the uh, Wilbur Bud. Oh, of course. Yeah, that, that, that chocolat. Chocolat, baby. Yeah, baby, it. you get them in a five-pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, you're lazy boy. One hand on the remote. Yep. One yeah, hand in the old Wilbur Buds. Nothing like a Wilbur Bud. <laughs> <laughs> Wilbur Bud does sound like something like horse apple. You know what I mean? Like another name for it. Oh, like a pile of shit. Yeah. It also does sound like a weird sex thing. Like a Wilbur yeah. Bud. <laughs> Wilbur Bud. Do you uh, <laughs> that's how he did it. Pulled out a Wilbur Bud? Like, <laughs> what? what? <Yeah. laughs> um. Nice. I appreciate it. The tits. Good stuff. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, Kaylee, I'm going to defer to you here. Do you want to give us give us a brief summary of this? Because I feel like if I were to attempt it, I would just give spoiler after spoiler and focus on not the plot. So um, do you want to give us a, a brief look at the low, low woods by uh, Miss Carmen Maria Mikado? 
Yes, definitely. Um, so the Lolo Woods is about uh, two teenage best friends in the 90s. Uh, it, their names are Octavia and Eldora, but they go by V and L. Um, and basically it begins um, with these really unsettling illustrations where they wake up in a movie theater. Um, they don't remember the movie they just watched. The credits are rolling. They're covered in mud. Um, obviously something strange happened, but they can't quite put their finger on it. Um, they actually get uh, physically sick and throw up in the theater. And on their way out, a uh, classmate of theirs who works at the theater, a male, uh, kind of makes like a gross, lewd comment to them that suggests something hinky is going on. Um, and that's not the only thing. Uh, they grow up in a town called Shudder to Think, Pennsylvania, um, which is some kind of amalgamation of a lot of the coal mining towns in PA, um, but probably most specifically Centralia, the town that is always burning underground. Um, so lots of spooky things are happening, and specifically the women in this town um, keep kind of having, for generations, they'll have these moments where they like wander out into the street disoriented, or they feel as though they've forgotten something um, really important or traumatic, and they can't quite remember what it is, so it affects their behavior. Um, and because of that, a lot of people find themselves sort of stuck in this town and unable to really move on past uh, any of that trauma. Um, so it, it sets up for just a lot of uh, really scary, really unsettling stuff, but it's also sweet um, and about a really strong, beautiful friendship. Um, there's some love, there's some witches, uh, so something there, I think, for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic summary. I, uh, oh, man, there's, there is so much to, to unpack with it, and the way it starts if I'm being frank, like through me, because I remember thinking like, oh, my God, if this is what I think it is, that is such a intense way to just begin a thing. There's no there's really no lead in whatsoever. Like they are asleep and they wake up and then this sort of really disturbing reality strikes them. Um, and so there's a couple things that like she has woven throughout this. One of the things that I wanted to start with maybe is like what keeps people in places like this mm -hmm. um and you know it's interesting because we you know you look around at the world and and there's all of this really i think i don't want to say wonderful because it's not wonderful it comes from war and it comes from you know famine and all these things but this this mixing that we see as completely normal right now where people leave one place and go to another and it's just this sort of like very common occurrence um yet when i look around pennsylvania and at my family and people i know and just the world that is in front of me people stay and not many people leave um and so i think one of the things that brought it came to my mind was like why would people stay? Because only a few in the book pack up and take the company's money, uh, you know, the company being the mine, the mining company, uh, and, and let their houses be bought up by them and, and leave. So I don't know. What, what are our thoughts on that? Like, why do, why is it, is it a human thing um, to, to stay in these places, even though they might be, like, literally toxic and harmful to us? I feel like... Um 
<laughs> I'm going to use a term that may or may not be from my own therapist, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no one's going to fact check you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel like you're kind of you become like beholden, especially in places or within family structures that have experienced traumas. I think there's like this mm. guilt, um, you know, associated with kind of moving past that because you feel beholden to, um, I guess you know, kind of bonding together through that trauma. You don't want to leave people behind. Um, so I feel like with a town too, you can kind of become enmeshed in that to the point where, um, you know, even if it's not specifically your family that you're beholden to, if you're a part of something where you know something kind of bigger is happening, um, and especially something traumatic or upsetting, um, I feel like personally, I think I would feel like kind of guilty moving forward from it almost as though mm. I'm like betraying where I'm from or betraying what I'm doing even if that's not true um so I kind of think that's what's happening there's you know this conflict with L and V and one of them really wants to move on and the other really doesn't um and I think that's just such a relatable conflict for teenagers in general um when they're kind of embarking on that journey of whether or not to you know stay where they've always been or, or find something new um but I think there's definitely like am I betraying my family am I betraying where I'm from um you know how do I go go forward from this yeah yeah I well that 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 is really I think pretty much what I was feeling you know what I mean I've, I've Top experienced marks. that nicely done well said <laughs> I I definitely because I remember that like with college and even high school you know what I mean like thinking about it, I mean for me I was thinking about going to high school or not um, that wasn't really a given and I I remember feeling like uh, I would be letting certain people down if I didn't and then when going to college you know, I had a group, a really, really tight group of friends who were all, I was also in a band with who were all staying and we kind of knew the band would die if I left and I did. And I really feel felt terrible about that. There was like this really intense connection there. And I just, um, I've always thought about that. That's that, that like, do we owe people and what do we owe them? And, and it's staying the best for us and is it selfish of us and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. yeah, it is, it's a tough thing to wrestle with. I don't think you owe anybody anything. That's my mood today. That's your take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it is. It, I mean, it's it's really it's it's pretty wild. I know my father. We're we're the only family in Pennsylvania. Everybody else is in New Jersey on my parents' side, mm -hmm. um, and they're all from Edison, and they're all still in Edison. And it is really, you know, I felt that as a kid for sure. Like mm -hmm. when you go when we would go back, like it was very very clear that we were from somewhere else and it was made very very clear that we <laughs> didn't have the same connection mm -hmm. perhaps we all need to take daniel's stance mm -hmm. yeah i think so world would be a much better place i think yeah you right. don't know you don't owe nobody nothing and nobody owes you nothing huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's actually that's maybe a little bit glib and nihilistic but <laughs> that's just that's just the mood that i guess is is, is uh, in the air today but in the lolo woods um they they're at a crossroads right v and l mm -hmm. they're at that there's, there's a lot of stuff happening here. They're like that Britney Spears movie. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I was thinking more of like the Ralph Macho movie, but sure. Um, they're at that's a called Karate Kid, okay? <laughs> Is he going to, uh, you know, defend his honor and uh, fight the bully? <laughs> and the, uh, um, no, so V and L, um, they're coming of age. 
um, are they going to stay to this shithole town? Stay in this shithole town? One doesn't want to, the other uh, wants to. But there is a history um, holding them back. So I guess to Kaylee's um, therapist about being beholden to a place, do they feel like they owed anything to the town? Like, because there's a mystery that they're trying to figure out and they eventually do figure out the mystery. Yeah, it feels like almost like Shirley Jackson's The Lottery where mm-hmm. like you're seeing the tradition erode of, mm-hmm. and the tradition here is silence, right? There's silence, there's, there's an acceptance of women waking up in different places and, and not knowing. I think there's even a line where it's like, you, you would know a woman uh, had entered puberty when she'd wake up in the woods somewhere yeah. mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know the exact quote, but it was something, you know, really sort of jarring like that. And um, I think that they, as women, um, perhaps do feel some sort of like commitment to figuring this out. And perhaps even that they're on the precipice of ending it or, mm-hmm. or at least like crossing some sort of important line with what's going on here and, and maybe not ending the the trauma per se, but perhaps finding a way to curb it or or, or bring it to its knees, maybe. Um, and so, yeah, it, it it almost feels like they they are empowered because of this first experience at the start mm-hmm. of the book, right? Like mm-hmm. this thing actually has now put them in a position to go. You know what? E- either we are gonna run from this, or we're we're gonna f- we're going to kind of fight, you know, we're going to go to battle with whatever faces. Yeah. Whatever forces are, are, you know, uh, happening here. So there was a a supernatural element to this. Did we, did we talk about that? A bit. I I Mm -hmm. think Kelly alluded to it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Magic and skinless, skinless men crawling up from fiery pits. (laughs) Yeah. And like, everybody seems totally. Yeah. Like it's just, 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 yep. That's what it is. There's another skin man. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's just their ordinary world. Yeah, that that which is which is frightening like, in the, in this case. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The, they that. looked like the uh, colossal titan from Attack on Titan. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly like it. <laughs> Every time I saw it, I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, yeah, but they're not a colossal. They're men. Yeah. yeah what, what struck me like they're all very used to and 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 the, the beasties that crawl out of the woods and the and the the pits. They're all like. Nothing surprises them, which is like, mm-hmm. you should be pretty freaked out if a skinless guy's like making weird sounds and running after you in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And I, it's because of that that shared trauma the women have in that town. Um, that just seems to be that. That's just the way it is. I think that's like it speaks a lot. It's just it is what it is. Like you know, there's going to be creeps who say and allude to and do horrible things and we just kind of accept it and I think that's like the kind of banality of how like awful things are is something that struck me in this too because everyone is just like okay you know what are we gonna do and then you know LNV um another cool relatable aspect I think is is like the it's kind of like a pressure, but Nick, like you said, it's also kind of empowering. Like this idea that we're this current generation, we see all of this horrible, horrible like bullshit that's been happening for years and years and years. So now it's kind of like on us to figure out, you know, how are we gonna, are we gonna get through it? Are we gonna ignore it and just move on? And um, 
and they do they are kind of empowered by it and they're they're like we're going to figure this out for ourselves but we're also going to figure it out for you know our parents and everybody else the town witch everybody who's a part of this community yeah absolutely i i mean i wonder too when we're thinking about who our protagonists are like do we think that um because these are two queer women they have sort of a, a a different perspective or or are more empowered perhaps to put an end to it or is it just that just happens to be who they are because you know you're speaking about this new generation and and them sort of owning who they are and, and being so, sort of very empowered and proud um no matter what their particular you know whether it be sexuality or whatever mm -hmm. um is they they really do have that like that's very unique to this generation i would say mm -hmm. um and I wonder if, if that's actually maybe not meant to be forward facing, but perhaps an underlying message that's being sent uh, from Mikado, like, um, you know, that she's 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 saying, like, th these are strong women and they're going to be doing what people couldn't, you know, before who, who gave into, you know, whatever was going on um, at the time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You just made me think of it, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's the really cool character of um, Circe, um, who is a witch and a trans woman um, from a previous generation. And, you know, obviously um, she is oppressed in a lot of ways by the community and uh, abused in a lot of ways by the community. But, uh, yeah, I think LNV's openness um, in their identity is really significant here, especially because it's set in the mid 90s. So mm -hmm. they are just kind of they're like, you know, they don't care they're claiming it they're they're who they yeah. are and that's really cool mm -hmm. but i'm a cheerleader um <laughs> yeah yeah like <laughs> but the uh what a fantastic movie sorry mm -hmm. for the deep cut though um <laughs> i love but, that uh, movie <laughs> yeah it's so good <laughs> Ru rupaul's best uh work i'd say mm -hmm. um but uh with that i do wonder too now that you're you're bringing up that character as well um you know, when we're thinking about sort of the Native Americans and these these different cultures, that um, people who were of that persuasion also were seen as magical or having sort of supernatural powers, especially uh, the trans community, um, the third sex, if you will, right, and things like that. So um, that's interesting too, because that witch that you're referring to is the one that's sort of like empowers the witch we meet mm -hmm. as we go along the journey. Who who I would say who you know, Mikado sees as important because she gets her own chapter and, you know, her story is, is super important um, to this. And, you know, we we see that she actually is sort of a catalyst to unlocking this mystery, mm -hmm. um, as it were. So, um, yeah, that 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 is another thing that that might be a play here, perhaps. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Kaylee, you mentioned that Cersei was um, like repressed and she's um She's like a little kid in form, right? Supposed to be what, like nine years old, ten years old, maybe. That's, well, no, that's the yeah, the town witch, and then Circe yeah. was her like guide. Um, oh, oh, right, 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 right. The one right, she right, met, right, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that too. The uh, the town witch, the witch that we do meet um, and hear her tale. Um, yeah, her stunted growth is definitely, I think, really cool and symbolic of um, you know we know after reading her tale that she endured just like the most horrific things um mm -hmm. and then uh kind of consequentially ends up remembering those horrible things so yeah. so yeah the fact that she is in that kind of small girl body um, she got stuck yeah right you yeah. experience trauma and you kind of get stuck so maybe that mm -hmm. that goes back to our very first question nick you know you 
you, you just get stuck because you're paralyzed from yeah. the, the trauma, the generational trauma, the uh, the black lung, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's that that is really true. Um, and yet we know that from from so much stuff like addiction, all this, you know, you, w- once you once you begin, you know, unless you really work through it and get beyond it, um, you will be emotionally stunted. You'll be. And in this case, she's physically mm-hmm you know uh in appearance that that Mm. young person and you know just as a full disclaimer for anybody that is um you know right now being coming interested in reading the lolo woods um there there is some pretty you know very graphic allusions and 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 different things to to rape and things like that Mm -hmm. so we should definitely put that out there so no (laughs) no one's really Mm -hmm. surprised although i think that we've certainly alluded to it enough but to bluntly state it is important so that is that is going on here in a big way and um frankly you know with the the witches chapter that reminded me so much of this um uh true crime series called the keepers um which was about these students of a nun who was murdered um and it was an all-girls school where there was horrific things going on to the students uh so much so that one student was um there was basically a priest there who was uh, you know raping the girls over and over again um and you know basically saying that it was god's will and whatnot Mm -hmm. and um he there was one particular student who who you know he really focused on he showed her the dead body of the nun um and all this stuff and she at one point you know uh in in the documentary is saying that she was walking the hall she would often find herself walking the halls literally having no idea where she was or where she was meant to be and so that just linked so much with the Lolo Woods because it starts with that like women just wandering and having no idea mm-hmm. where they were meant to be just this trauma impacting them so greatly that that they their their mind you know literally is in the moment repressing it and they they literally end up lost um and so I just I couldn't I couldn't help but make that connection because that was really drawing me I don't watch those things too often and that um just really um, especially having gone to Catholic school so much and you know there was a number of pedophiles in my um, my high school unfortunately and and they they were arrested and, and it was a whole big thing one one's in Mexico right now who <laughs> mm-hmm. knows where he is and um, yeah it was like it was like something that I always was very present because it was you know right there um, and uh, just to see how that played out for people that were um, abused and, and taken advantage of in that way is really um, it's brutal, and this book I think sort of really digs into that, like, not recklessly, but like really um, vigorously. I guess mm-hmm. you could say. You yeah, know? I I feel like um, similarly, I didn't go to to like Catholic school, but I I grew up um, initially in a town where, um, for whatever reason, a lot of convicted sex offenders, when they would like get out of prison, would come move in and like be our neighbors and. Um, so Jesus. reading this too, like um, I remember being a kid and it was like kind of commonplace because of Megan's law that we would just have like paper on our door that says, you know, a pedophile moved in two houses down. This is what they look like. You know, they had to do all that stuff. And sometimes they would have to introduce themselves Jesus. like a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it, it was interesting for me reading this because I was, you know, younger than LNV at that time. Um, and eventually moved away. So I don't have a ton of memories of that time in my life, but I do remember how like commonplace it was to the point where, um, 
like we would be playing outside in recess or gym class in elementary school and a car would go by that matched the description of a sex offender's car that we all got on our door and we would just be like oh that's probably so and so from whatever street and then we would just kind of keep on playing um but so there was Jeez. like this collective awareness that you know that kind of evil um and that kind of predator existed and we were all kind of growing up you know hyper aware of that but still like Alan V kind of just like we got to move through it in certain ways and you just you continue to be a kid you continue to be yourself even as you know in the case with their case um you know men are coming up from the fire and <laughs> like <laughs> ravaging the town <laughs> so exactly yeah <laughs> yeah wow that is, that is really wild I I, you know I what that's um, that strikes, and, and, and I know we're a, a little off, a little off base, but it reminds me very much of, you know, you, you you turn on the news and you have these really intensely conservative maniacs railing about, you know, these kids are are gonna their lives are forever changed because of this pandemic. It's their normal, <laughs> like it's just their that's their life. You know what yeah. I mean? And like and similarly to you know you see a creepoid's car driving through your neighborhood. I mean, if that's part of your the tapestry that is your reality, mm-hmm. it's not really a thing until you're ready to say, "Wow, maybe that was a thing." Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say it, it is one of those things where we always say kids are resilient and whatnot, but it's like what adult does that create? You know, I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's the larger thing is is there there is so much of this, but I know I have uh, a, a lot of anger from various things um, that I was like the happiest kid, but all these things were happening, and I and I, I I became a very very angry individual from that. That was mm-hmm. like the way it manifested, and yeah, it is one of those things. Like I see my students now, and yeah, they're they're certainly getting through it, but they they lack empathy. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them lack empathy and 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 are very you know. Uh, inwardly focused and there isn't this sort of like hope that I've seen in previous classes and stuff and you know I wonder you, about us who watched 9-11 go down you know and, and you and also th- teach a of bunch things. of you teach a bunch of artists though as well right it's a split I mean some kids come there just because it's a safe school that's yeah. pretty good academically as well I mean yeah you're right there there is a ton of musicians and artists and so they're already right, self-absorbed s- you know s- sensitive <laughs> people yeah, yeah. Who, who, who are yeah very much that way but I know um, I do nothing but think of myself yeah <laughs> that's 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 like part that's part joke but it's also partly true from my other sure. teacher friends that teach it um um kappa and um uh I guess kappa <laughs> you know it's like you're you know, and I teach I teach art. I teach creative writing and music at my school, yeah. um, and we're not an art school. And I, my students have tremendous empathy. They're also probably from a different um, demographic than yours, socioeconomic status for the most part. I'm sure. Um, I mean, you'd you'd really be surprised. Yeah, you'd really be surprised. Um, but you know, that being said, it's not like when I taught at Alamy. You know, it's it's a little different there, but yeah. not not too far afield. Uh, but in, in in the same respect. It's something I've noticed over the past like 13, 14 years, though, too, you know, just like in general, like what's been going on in the like the students are aware of it. And then the type of how these students are like, I don't know, I've noticed a huge drop in in the maturity level I was used to Mm. um, from the students and and these different things. I think the pandemic has has a big impact on on that and just watching sort of like these traumatic things, like how these traumatic things play out. 
it, you know, the adults that it creates are, are going to be, it's going to be interesting uh, because yeah. in the same regard, you know, to you guys or to what Kayla was mentioning earlier, like um, things like mental health are way more present now with this generation they 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 value it and they see it mm -hmm. as important and um you know even in communities that that wasn't necessarily the thing um you know that that is now being very very much so made an important element um to them so like i i hope that that wins out and changes or it has a positive impact on and, and I, I could I think we could argue that that theme is being explored in the Lolo Woods as well. These teenagers, they're yep. coming of age. Um, they actually do care about each other and the people that um, like they don't know yep. how these traumatic things have affected them. Um, you know, so not without giving too much away, there is some like magical element at the end where people they, they can make a decision. Mm -hmm. Do you want to remember everything that's that happened or do you want to live in ignorance yep and um, that's the central question to the mm -hmm. whole piece i'd say i yeah I, yeah yep. Mo do you want to move on or do you want to stay you know do you want to have acceptance or i don't I mean i guess do you want to maybe closure be, be given the opportunity to have yeah. closure yeah. yeah right i feel like that um you know, introducing that idea of consenting to remember something is so important. Mm. And um, with everything we've been saying, like just, I think when you're living in a reality that is so to you commonplace and everyday, like the mm -hmm. challenge becomes trying to envision a world without that reality or even like with the pandemic, with everything confronting the idea of this not being a reality so that we can kind of see through it or around it. Because if you're just in it, you know, growing like, with my, I guess, example of being young and growing up in a town um, where there were multiple sex offenders, like if you're just in that, that is your reality and you don't know what's, that that's not normal, I guess. And so I think mm -hmm. that is really interesting with L and B too, is just their, um, their conflict and that, that decision to either remember or forget, but in either case, get some kind of closure where they can move on with their lives and find something out there that you know could be not to use pandemic language but like a newer a newer safer normal something something mm -hmm. where they're not yeah. you know just um accepting that things are the way that they are yeah and in this as well the lolo wood she has the default position being that you won't remember like you, you yeah you have forgotten it's a blank space in your memory whereas mm -hmm. you know in for for everybody else in, in in our reality you you could very well remember but we don't know when it would happen right you might be crushed with these these memories out of nowhere um and that's th that's that's really frightening so it is very very interesting that she sets up this very sort of strict binary almost of like by default you will not be remembering you have the opportunity to do you want that closure or do you want it to be a blank space with no chance that it'll that it'll come back and that presents a really i think she does something really kind of profound there by by setting it up that way because the fear element kind of goes away the unknown goes away and, and it's it's more of you know this this very real choice and making it less of an imperative to have closure i feel like now in our reality it's it's you must have closure mm -hmm. always closure closure all the time um and that i think the argument here which is again a profound one is that maybe that's not the way it should be mm -hmm. maybe you should be able to keep a blank space 
not to quote Taylor Swift. <laughs> if I've done so, that, which was so, not intentional. So the, the, uh, the word Kaylee said is it's consent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Kaylee put it well, uh, exactly that consenting to remember, like that you, if you, you closure should not be forced upon you. Like if if you if you want that. And that's what's going to be most beneficial for you, you know, because perhaps it is enclosure for some people. Perhaps it snaps them into pieces right. and, yeah. and they're never whole again, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe they were able to get by. Like I think of um, Manchester by the Sea, mm. like it's, it's been out for long enough that if you haven't seen it, go fuck yourself. Because I, I haven't. I mean, like I'm going to I'm going to I haven't seen it. No, it came out like two years ago, didn't it? It came like out like five a years ago. ago. It's years and years. All right. But the, the point is, is that these this idea of closure, can't say anything as a Daniel um, and your listeners, you know, we don't <laughs> it came out you, like though. in 2016. Um, <laughs> like, if you so, haven't seen it yet, you ain't seen it. <laughs> although you should see it because it's, it's fan, wonderful. It it's a wonderful film. I'm but still is, I got to get through Godfather two first. There's an enormous tragedy and there's a, a man suffering and there is this idea of getting past it. Um, and, and, you know, if that's even possible or if he even wants that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of those things is, um, you know, sometimes responsibility and these other things outweigh your ability to tell yourself you should have closure. You know, mm-hmm. some people don't see it as a possibility for them or, or that they deserve it or something like that. That's not the case with these young women, but we do have that awesome setup of like one is like, without a doubt, I'm going to find out what the fuck happened i need to know and the other goes it might not be for me and i don't think the other is necessarily weak for saying that and i love that Mm -hmm. mikado sets it up that way Mm -hmm. whereas previous nick like nick before reading this would have probably been like what the fuck you know what i mean not dismissive but also like you got to like you have to um always closure all the time um and this presented something new which i think good writing does so that's a real mark Mm -hmm. for for mikado in this respect can I um bring up something that me and Gregoria were talking about off air that I think might be a, a unique perspective that only um he can offer. I read this as a I'm holding it up for the listeners. Uh, <laughs> I'm holding up the graphic novel. All uh, I don't know. There's no page numbers. All whatever. Six issues combined into one. Right? 88 pages, whatever it is. Um, this came out serialized one month apart. Right, Gregorio? It sure did. Yes, sir. So. Yeah. So would you care to elaborate? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, collected as it is, it reads like um, like one full piece you go through and it's very well paced. Mm -hmm. Um, Break this up. And, you know, because I didn't read it monthly, but if you can imagine, break each chapter or each issue up and try to put yourself in in thinking, Okay, I have to wait a month for this next chapter. Is it effective in telling the one complete section of a story and is it giving you enough that says do i want to come back to this next month because that is a, that's the question in a lot of mm-hmm. people who pick up a new comic it's like this is three three ninety nine. um i don't yeah. want to commit if i don't have to and as i read this i i loved it as one piece of work but after the yeah. first issue i thought if i had bought this number one I probably wouldn't have gone back for the second issue, um, mm. just because it didn't it didn't give me that that trail of breadcrumbs, I guess. Yeah, I, I am 
of the uh, uh, a mind. Like I wait for entire things to be done before I watch them now. Mm. Like there's new seasons of shows out that I'm just going to wait until it's done so I can maybe not watch them all in a sitting, but know that I can finish it on my own schedule. And um, it's yeah, yeah. And and with with we're talking about this thing as literature, as as a story and comics are not a thing I typically read. Comics are certainly not a thing Carmen Maria Mikado um, is known for. This is her first one. Um, so it's a different conversation than what we've been having for the past 20 minutes, but it's the form. It's the form of the art. Like, how does that, mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, I don't know, I guess persuade us or, or dictate how we're going, to, how the art's going to be perceived or, or accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and to, to your point, Daniel, that you wait for the shows to come, to finish until you watch them. Like I love the anticipation between episodes or issues and that's why this struck me so so hard about saying mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd have that anticipatory feeling. I don't know if I'd be excited for the next issue. Now, granted, we're not reading it that way. This is imaginary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is like made up. But like as it, it and you know, you can go back to how you know the, how the the publisher marketed it. Do they call it mm-hmm. a graphic novel? Do they acknowledge the fact that the graphic novel as a term is stupid and made up? anyway to make people who read comics feel smart um i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i I mean yeah i I think that's that is a really because i'm not a a a traditional comic guy either um i am reading one right now like i read uh death clock relatively recently when that came out and i'm reading once in future now and it's way different like it, it is way different and i agree with you i think if i read if i read one um, you know, issue one. I, I'm not sure that I would have been totally into the next one. I did that with um, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, epic or um, not epic? Uh, it's it's basically like a very um, domestic, but they're like from different households and they're they're fighting in a, a galactic war. Um, I forget what the name of the actual oh, saga. Was. Saga, yeah, yeah, saga. <laughs> so I, I I didn't I didn't go back to that one. Um, oh, that's interesting. It, did, that? it, did, it didn't pull me. It didn't get me. Yeah. Uh, and I was in and I knew it because I was in that exact sort of like realm. I had a new baby and, and yeah. whatever when I started because someone suggested it. And so, yeah, I agree. I think the form does a lot with this. I think this yeah. works incredibly well as, as a graphic novel, as a graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and a month. A month is too long to wait. There's so many things vying for our attention. Frankly, I I would probably just forget. Like four weeks later, it's like, oh. I forget all the time. Well, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the unfortunate side effect of all of these wonderful things that we can, we can do, right? We have yeah. the opportunity to, to engage with so much art every day that a month does seem like an eternity. Um, it is a, uh, <clears throat> an old practice of mine that I loved when I was a kid and I still love mm-hmm. now. And it's a worthy one for me because I love you know, waiting for that next issue to show up in my, in my bag when I go and pick up my book. Going to the comic shop and yeah. just be in there. Yeah. yeah and, I I, did, and I, I loved, yeah. um, I loved even with television shows, like I loved getting in front of the TV on Sunday and watching a new X-Files. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just part of my week. The world I'm, is very different now. Art is very different. Media is very different. So I wonder if um, like genre has, and maybe I'm totally off base here, but has anything to do with it? Cause I, I I'm not a huge comic reader, but I do love Hill House comics. So I've read 
Um, I think the first two before the Lolo Woods were the Dollhouse family and then Daphne Byrne came after that. Um, but I read all of them never as like serialized issues. I read them as the whole when they come out. And I wonder, like, is horror harder to... I know, obviously, in the past, horror was, like, Penny Dreadfuls. It was, like, the first thing to be serialized. But, like, now, Nick, do you read, like, other horror comics? I, re- that <laughs> I read mostly too? superhero books, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> and, like, there, you know, the, uh, like I think issue 1040 of Action Comics <laughs> is coming out next week. So like, Superman, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Is Action Comics just only Superman? Yeah, that's what that was the book he debuted in uh, okay. in 1938, mm. something like that. Um, Does the, they, is Detective Comics still a thing? Yep, that's still the, the two that I only bought: Action Comics and Detective. <laughs> there were three uh, for Superman though in the 90s, right? In the 90s, he had um, Action Comics, Superman, and yeah. uh, Adventures of Superman. Yeah, um, and I and I got all of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, to answer your question, Kaylee, I, you know what? I don't read a lot of horror comics. I love horror literature i like i'm a, mm-hmm. a huge stephen king fan and uh, others um but with 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 the superhero book and i know a lot of the guys that that are writing superhero books now have creator-owned horror comics that they do mm-hmm. um and i have to think that they're bringing those same skills to the horror books mm-hmm. but then again i'm not sure right. <laughs> you know um horror does seem to have gripped the each next generation way more than the one that preceded it in the past you know 30 40 years or so it it seems like like literally when i ask my students what your favorite genre is Mm -hmm. of art um whether it be literature cinema whatever horror is across the board for the you know my entire time teaching now 10 or 13 14 years um the number one like without a doubt Mm -hmm. and i know when i was a kid it was split 50 50 maybe even less so of of kids that really watched horror and liked horror and stuff like that like it was more fantasy i think um lord of the rings type stuff that that stuff so i do wonder like uh it's it's kind of fascinating to me to see that this genre has really just risen and 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 engulfed um uh, an entire generation to become like the new um I don't know. It seems like it's it's right at the top of the heap. You I know what I find fast? Sorry, Kaylee, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was just going to – I think about that all the time just because um, a lot of the courses that I teach are based in gothic literature and horror. And, um, like, I actually hate these terms, but uh, I kind of wonder if it has anything to do with um, the introduction of – they call it like the A24 horror movies, like they'll call them like post-horror oh, yeah. or elevated horror. And I think that's just a way of saying – it's horror like it's always been horror um but it's just that now for some reason we ascribe like intellectualism to horror whereas in the Mm. past um you know i know that when i was in college as an english major like i loved stephen king i loved reading no one even knew shirley jackson back then i feel like no one was talking about shirley jackson at that time but i love shirley jackson and um those sorts of authors weren't necessarily taken as like seriously it was like that's what you read for fun that's what you read for pleasure you know that's Mm -hmm. not whatever Right. And now it, it has become like because we've come up with these kind of, I guess, like a graphic novel, like these imaginary terms. Um, now we can engage with horror more openly and we can start talking about Stephen King more critically um, when in reality we should have really been doing that all along. Like nothing has actually changed. At least I don't I don't necessarily think so. But, so. well, you know, it, it I find it really. So I thought after 9-11, right, you had this rash of, of like hyper 
gory horror movies like Saw and, and Hostel. Mm-hmm. And then now you're seeing like the intellectual horror and the horror comedy, right? So you, mm-hmm. like people sort of want to disconnect and they also want to feel smart. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like mm-hmm. anything. Horror was the, was the, uh, the pulp. Now the superhero stuff is the pulp. And, and, and in 20 years or 10 years even, people are going to look back and say, like, those were really smart superhero movies. Mother, mm-hmm. Man, you were the person that said that I was stupid for watching them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, it's such a yeah. weird pendulum swing when it comes to art and genre. People think it's stupid, and then they make their own or see just one that makes them feel smart, and they have a whole different perspective. Right. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it is interesting, like, figuring out the monster and i think metaphor is is so entwined in in horror that when that is done well that singular piece is what might shift it or like you're saying with this pendulum swing moving into intellectual horror Mm -hmm. as opposed to like the gore or like just the like the grotesque and the monster and stuff because i know in the 80s um uh, so much of the horror was ridiculous ridiculous you know what i mean you're talking about chucky you're talking about monsters in the closet you're talking about you know these rubber masked rubber monster things um the leprechaun you know what i mean like the list goes on they were really ridiculous and it was like kind of funny but just really a lot of blood and like more sex and and you know like pulp you're saying mm-hmm. um that kind of stuff and the the thing I, that's interesting to me is when when the horror is done well the monster is something in society obviously that when you figure that out and you get to it like you said it it it, it connects with something in your in your critical mind that does make you feel smart and you go oh shit like this is this is more than than you know meets the eye like i don't teach it anymore but i used to teach hp lovecraft's the color from out of space and that was one that the kids would get because it's never the monster's never named it's just an alien force it's something Mm -hmm. there but what it does to the family specifically the mother and all this other stuff like the kids were drawing all these really fantastic sort of like allegories from that and i was like look what you're doing like you struggled so much with these easier texts but this one's a little bit more complex and you're you're able to do so much more with it um and so yeah i think you're right It, it does elevate it when that happens the reader the the viewer um, becomes empowered and we all want to feel fucking smart at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, so. when, when, when the New York Times got their hands on Watchmen, they were like, we need to find a way <laughs> to call this something other than comic books because we're going to look dumb. But that, that show ended up being so fucking good. I didn't watch that, see? Oh, man, that was so, so well done. I mean, yeah. you know, somebody might disagree with me for sure, but I thought that was so well done and, like, did, did real justice to the... Um, to the original text which yeah i've was heard just it was excellent as a middle finger to not being able to use real superhero or real quote superhero characters right well um yeah basically so yeah it, it, it's a long story but yes okay, nice, <laughs> nice. so um to to sort of wrap up i guess um this text i mean one thing that i also thought was was pretty brilliant um for me with uh Mikado's work is like these things a being real so a woman might become oh i want to say an endless pit well what is it really the um sinkhole the sinkhole yes thank you very much Mm -hmm. yeah so and she'll have a literal sinkhole in the middle of her swallow everything in Mm -hmm. in its path it's great And, and 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 so this she's playing so much with with um the literal here like we're saying like 
you know the the witch who who stays nine years old or whatever and and we know trauma when it when we have it uh, at a young age we stay emotionally stunted in that way um so she's doing that throughout which i think is also kind of a horror trope um mm-hmm. but the she ends it with the the key to victory the uh the um uh what you call it um key to enlightenment i guess you could say here is um is the the mushrooms mm-hmm. uh and i thought that was just really fantastically done because we're seeing such a push here you know right now with microdosing and people actually recognizing that some of these substances are are uh, incredibly therapeutic and and, mm-hmm. and opening doors for for many people in ways that you know the pharmaceutical companies aren't able to offer and things like that so um i thought that was just such a great nod i loved it i agree with it and i thought it was just a fantastic thing that she puts there at the end that like maybe you know when we think about it a lot of our uh, shamans from tens of thousands of years ago and these different people were really on to something. You know what I mean? When you think about most religion, they they were um, tripping some face uh, <laughs> on mushrooms usually, right? Or ayahuasca <laughs> or these different things. But like Santa Claus was was uh, a dude on mushrooms in Siberia who would come down your chimney <laughs> and his his gift at the end of the year was to talk about your year, work it out with you and then say, you know, maybe we try this and go this route uh in the uh, in the new year you know um i just think it's it's really fascinating in fact neil gaiman has it in um american gods where the first group to come uh across you know through alaska and down canada into america uh their shaman um eats all these these mushrooms uh he, he urinates in, in in the cold and takes off the ice and then everybody sort of drinks the uh, uh purified substance and then they all put on this enormous um uh, uh mammoth uh skull and speak through it while they're <laughs> while they're tripping and then that's where they get their sort of prophecies and and, and what have you and, and clarity i guess you could say um i heard uh, neil gaiman is staunchly anti-hallucinogen too which is weird that's no. Super weird. Totally made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the detail with which he wrote that vignette, I would be yeah. shocked. I would be shocked. Um, and also he wrote Coraline, so you, yeah. know, you can yeah. fuck right off with that idea. Um, but in any oh, case... Oh, that was good stuff. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I thought that was fantastic. I, I thought that was... She's doing a lot of awesome things here. Um, and I think she's she's putting really you know when an author it feels like they're grabbing you and going look at this thing i want you to think about this um it could have came off that way but it doesn't Mm -hmm. Uh, and i thought you know having the mushrooms be the the enlightenment uh vehicle um was one that again done with a lesser author would have been uh would have been a a misstep but she does it well i also loved with the mushrooms just uh first like i think mushrooms i always think of alice in wonderland of course but also mm-hmm. um we've always lived in the castle by shirley jackson mm. and um yeah. the function of mushrooms there but also i thought it was super cool that they found the mushrooms which are kind of in a way like the antidote or the elixir um to the you know issues with memories that they are they're all having um but they found them in heaven on earth um which Mm. is like this abandoned honeymoon resort uh in pennsylvania and all the teens like hang out and party there um and i'm pretty sure that's supposed to be an allusion to penn hills resort in the poconos um 
which is a real yeah. abandoned honeymoon resort. Um, and I, Joey and I um, way at like the beginning of the pandemic, just because we figured it's abandoned, no one would be there. Um, we went to explore it just to, to mix things up. And um, it's just, it's a, honestly like a horrifying place, like just <laughs> literally danger everywhere. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that she included that here because there's something when something's like that abandoned and has carried that many people and um specifically you know that much of like that kind of excursion like uh, i guess like couples on honeymoons or whatever like yeah. something that was once so happy and safe to people has become this complete like ruin and danger um it kind of felt sort of a cult to me as well like there's something kind of mystical about that sort of abandonment so just that they stumbled upon these mushrooms that are kind of like these magic mushrooms uh, in a place like that seemed really interesting and significant too. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it does speak to the idea, like it's not all fun and games. Like you do have to respect the power of things like that. And, and there is an element of danger there and you could lose yourself just as much as you could find yourself. So mm -hmm. that is a, that is a really interesting, yeah, that she sets it up in that way and has it in that place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wild. I feel like I want to go, but I also feel like I I have uh, um, I don't know. I feel very much like an intuitive person, and places like that I can get uh, into a little bit too I'm much. Not about that I, life. <laughs> I feel I start feeling like I am experiencing and seeing and and feeling things that might not be there. Uh, so I, I could get in my own head quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I like uh, good lighting. If I, if I take some mushrooms, then I'm really out of, <laughs> out, out of sorts. You know. I like a good. Good fluorescent brightly light. lit room <laughs> um, on a street that drowns out the 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 starlight with its uh, ambient light. We had a horrifying time, but weirdly enough, um, it ended in us saving a baby deer from like an actual sinkhole. Um, Holy so shit. like a, a lot of this is is Pennsylvania. Like it seems like just body horror that a woman would be a sinkhole or whatever, but it's not too far <laughs> from <laughs> what is actually well, going on in these I towns like, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I feel like once a year you hear like poor some poor sap who like got eaten by a sinkhole that just <laughs> yep. pulled his whole house down. <laughs> yeah. like, it's gone. Yeah. My God. My God. <laughs> It is super Pennsylvania. It is a very Pennsylvania book, and and she's from Allentown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marie Mercado. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. She uh she went to a high school um neighboring mine, so she went to Parkland High School, and then she also taught at um Moravian University. I hear just before I was hired there, so so I'm always just just missing Mercado by a little bit. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Maybe I'll catch her at AWP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you can tell her that. Yeah. Um, nice. My uh, final thought, thought yeah. on this is, and I'm going just to, just to be critical, because um, I do like this. Um, that'll be um, uh, shown in my uh, ratings later on. But I think that, and it, it's just a thing that I have with 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 the form of of comics, is it's a little too exposition heavy, and. Um, I don't know. That's that's my that's my that's my critique. Yeah. Kept jumping back for you. Short and sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Nick, final thought. Um, Mikado's excellent. Um, <laughs> she's just a terrific storyteller. Um, and and then this is, um, just another example of how it doesn't. It, if it's nonfiction, it's fiction. It's comics. It's she's great. Um, I would read this. I would recommend this to folk 
with the of course the the disclaimer the content disclaimer but also in the dream house her her memoir was just effervescent i cannot wait to read that it's incredible it's incredible um so i i really like this book um i am glad that it did not pick it up monthly (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) nice kelly any final thoughts on this um, yeah, I obviously I love it. Um, all about Mikado. I love in the dream house. I love her body and other parties. Um, as someone who was already primed to love Hill House comics, I was like all on board when I heard that she was going to write uh, a comic series. So um, it didn't disappoint. I was like just in love with with all of it. And um, I really I, I love, um, like we said, just the storytelling. I think she's a fantastic storyteller and she's so aware of her tropes and and everything and she just kind of uses them in such inventive ways so all about it for sure yes excellent yeah that is a uh, excellent point there too at the end um she does lean into those and that's fantastic uh wonderful so let's move forward uh to what many might say is a um a hard turn uh, away from horror, but <laughs> I know you have a link for why you picked Olivia Rodrigo's Sour as our as our album <laughs> to accompany this very dark uh, and uh, low low wood uh, book. So what what do we got? Why did why did we go with uh, the young Olivia? Um, yeah, so I was uh, very 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 pregnant. I think I was like seven and a half months pregnant when. Um, my younger sister she uh just turned 23 recently she told me um she was like you have to watch uh this music video uh so she sent me good for you by olivia rodrigo and right off the bat the music video has like these cool allusions to um audition which is a horror movie uh jennifer's body so i was like in 100 percent. i love the song it's nostalgic it was like excellent um and just then the shortly after that music video dropped the entire album of sour dropped and um i listened to it in like one car ride um and it's just so much anger um and (laughs) at that time i was feeling also a lot of anger and uh just moodiness and you know i was brought right into the angst um for very different reasons than 17 year old olivia rodrigo but um still like feeling you know just feeling it um completely and uh yeah it was just i thought it kind of fit the in a kind of sense it's a morbid romance um yeah or at least like a uh just not a successful romance uh is detailed on the album (laughs) angry romance (laughs) angry romance yeah a bad romance if you will (laughs) hey um, she went there she did it (laughs) well the romance was good it was the fallout of the romance really right right i get yeah so a breakup yeah Yeah. but also like teenagers i think she she had to there's a a line where she says she's 17 right so she writes this when she's a teenager so she's the same age as our protagonist in the book too. yeah 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 and that 90s, I, I put that together after the fact, but both um, the Lola Woods and Sour have like these very specific 90s references and teenagers. Yeah. So that's kind of the connective tissue there, I guess. But Is that alarming for anybody else? I don't know if alarming is the right word, but it feels weird to have your adolescence and teenage years being mined in front of your eyes mm-hmm. and, and, and regurgitated to you in sort of a fucked up way now like these they're just like picking bits of our past and 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 saying that <laughs> and just like putting out which i guess is what happened when we were kids right because it was all the 60s i mean for yeah. me mm-hmm. it, well, it's all it, it's it, also what your brain does i mean your brain does your brain's just cherry picking moments from your childhood yeah. right 
Absolutely. Um, and given them to you in a way that definitely wasn't true. Right. <laughs> I mean, because Saved by the Bell was, like, ridiculous. Like, not everybody yeah. was wearing neon Zubass jams. Right. You know what I mean, like, yeah. I, there was a lot of, I and mean, someone posted this, but it's very true. There was a lot more brown and beige mm. yeah. coloring than a lot there was of corduroy. neon and A whole lot of corduroy. Well, here's exhibit A. I am, pleated I, pants. I think I'm, what, 112 years older than all of you guys? Yeah. Combined. Combined, yeah. Um, combined, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I dusted this shirt off. I haven't worn this shirt in 25 years. There you go. And what we're this looking is... at is a shit brown, brown, yeah. shit brown Pearl Jam shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, so, but in case, you're, you're right. That video just evokes all of those things that I remember from my high school years. Um, and so it is really interesting to see that happening. Um, but it is a th- it's a thing that happens, right? In the 80s, they were going back to the 50s. and the 90s, mm-hmm. we were going back to the 60s. And we were yeah. just mining these generations for the stuff that we liked and wanted without taking any of the you know, stuff that made it get there or, or made it such that we... Almost sounds it. like marketing, right? You're fi- <laughs> you know, people can buy the things, you yeah. know. It's like, yeah. here's now that you have money, let's cash in on it. Yep, exactly, exactly. And so, let me tell you what, I'm that sucker. <laughs> We're all that I'm sucker. I'm that guy. It's like, ooh, this sounds like 1996. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was that? You did pick a band, Pears, right? That that absolutely is like a throwback to to 90s. And Pears is like they they do everything that was everything in punk that was done from 1993 to 1999, and it put it into one record. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Olivia Rodrigo, in a way, does that. There was a couple. Like I got. Um, it was weird because I got like a Mumford and Sons vibe on one end. I got definitely Paramore. That became a huge thing, right? Because there was that. Uh, I think you mentioned when you gave me the choices, you were like, "There's a little bit of controversy here," um, and and it was because she she had to pay them or decided to compensate them for. Um, I guess a similarity to misery business. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think she was, she was sued either by Paramore or Taylor Swift or both for different songs, but yeah, exactly. Mm. So um, yeah, a lot of controversy involving her. Uh, They said the songs, some of them were like overly derivative, but um, yeah, I was curious to hear what you all thought about that. Um, Can I, can I weigh in first just to kind of nip this in the butt? (laughs) (laughs) That is not the phrase. What's that? Yeah, that is not the phrase. <laughs> bud? Nip it in the bud? You have to nip it in the bud. So you don't nip it in grow. the butt. <laughs> no, I said nip it in the bud. You said oh, it butt. Sounded like butt <laughs> it sounded like butt. I'm Man, I have to second that. Well, we'll have to just go to the tape. Yeah, we and I probably. <laughs> I'm going to pump up your volume to the max when I edit this. <laughs> Mine is, well, before I send it to you, I'm just going to edit it because. I was going to nip this in the bod, <laughs> an overdub. So <laughs> somebody else's voice, but anyways, yeah. nip, um, nip it in the bud or butt, whatever. Yeah. Um, so um, she wasn't sued by Paramore or Taylor Swift. It was like representatives for them. Haley Williams was like, oh, I don't give a shit. Taylor so, Swift was also like, she? I don't give a shit. Elvis yeah. Costello. Like she definitely he was like, I give a shit. I'd like at least 14 roast beef sandwiches. He did. Well, six. <laughs> Six. He likes says his number, and it's not roast beef. He likes um, uh, Rubens. Got Rubens. It. Yeah. Okay, he's a freak for him. Can't get enough. All right. That is still one of the greatest stories I've ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Elvis Costello, someone you know, said, "Hey, he, you know, she kind of ripped off uh, Pump It Up," and he said, 
this is fine by me. It's how rock and roll works. You take the broken pieces of another thrill and make a brand new toy. That's what I did, is what yeah. he says. So, um, and it's that's a lot of people though. I think well, we yeah, have yeah, to know, but, but that's a lot of people. That's almost every. That's half the album that people are like, you've. Yeah, you've but taken big, something. Big deal. Big deal. <laughs> And she was, so she's this been is like, nip it in the butt. Okay. she's been upfront about it. She's like, yeah, that Taylor Swift song. I absolutely wrote the song to that chorus. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not like hiding, you know, that's good. And she's the like, problem would like this. Be if she did was like, no way, this is original. I'm no, she's the pants off she, of you. She's totally not doing the Millie Vanilla, not Millie Vanilla, the, the Vanilla Ice thing where it's like, mm-hmm. He's like, no, it's not. And then he like hums like the exact riff from Queen. It's like, wait, you just did the same. No, it is the same thing. It's like that four, Robin Thick, uh, Robin Thick lawsuit back in when um, they lost I, that. I know because he stole it and lied about it. <laughs> no, so we're entering. How much can you fucking do? That's I mean, that is not what I'm right. saying. What I'm saying is or, you're gonna oh, have notes. something. You're gonna you're gonna take your influence you're going to steal that's part of the gig the whole thing of of being pompous enough to be like "Mm, you're dumb that is wholly original i'd be like i'm suing the shit out of you you're dumb as shit yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it's also millions of dollars now she's lost so much let's say lost but she's had to pay out so much money because of um uh all the i guess i guess they're not called posthumous but i guess whatever after the fact um royalties that she has to pay to these various artists i mean it's 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 a it's a hit album you know i mean so i I don't think she's you're not losing it in in this in this yeah day and age it could be i mean it could have been crushing if it wasn't a hit or something like that like you really could have lost a career at age 19 or whatever that would have been devastating national fallback she's got she got disney to fall back on Exactly. I mean, the, it should be noted she she was a, a Disney a Disney star with High School Musical and some bizarre show with oh. a ridiculous name like Bizarre Vark. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wait, she was on Bizarre Vark. Yeah, I think that's apparently. really weird. <laughs> she has. Like I remember song. commercials for that show and being like, "I'm too old for this shit." Yeah, there's like a song about a blobfish that keeps circulating on YouTube now that she sang. That was like her first hit. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I I I mean the thing. I don't want to get too too deep into the to the woods hey. on that, but like, <laughs> or the weeds rather. But like, yeah, uh, the thing about how we have such a monopoly in the arts uh, from Disney is is alarming to me. Like, if if you look at our actors, our musicians, mm, uh, so much of it, they just come straight up through that through that whole uh, you know funnel from from disney channel shows on you know it's i mean it's kind of nuts too it's like just the way that they uh i've been watching so many for the past like two years now like the deep dives on the free britney movement and mm-hmm. all of that and just how disney you know is kind of the origin of a lot of uh so Britney many Spears problems and everybody really and they just get their hooks into these children and um I mean, it's just like a lifetime of exploitation after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's extremely upsetting. <laughs> it is. It is, especially as like, um, as like a parent too. Like w- when you're looking at y- your kid, and and 
I check myself because Gabriel will do something funny and I'll go, oh, show grandma and grandpa. And I'm like, oh, man, am I making him a fucking wind up monkey right now? Mm. I don't want to fucking do that. Like, uh, but at the same token, there's a line like I'm not a gigantic corporation that's making billions right. of dollars yeah. off of me. They're like, I'm just like trying to bring joy to my parents who have driven 45 minutes. So like, that's that's a little different. But yeah, no, but it is something to consider because it's it's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, but this album, to, to get back to it, is is you know in a link to that um what she was dating a dude from one of these shows who then started dating someone else and it's essentially the jagged little pill of 2021 right jagged little pill meets jules pieces of you Mm -hmm. okay okay of 2021 i'll take that i'll take that um i think that's that's very valid absolutely um except you know it's this you know other disney channel dude instead of uh dave coulet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, cut it out, man. <laughs> cut it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I honestly, it was interesting because obviously the, the some of the um, the pump it up jams were the ones that I was drawn to initially on this. Yeah. I was extraordinarily surprised that I liked it as much as I did, um, because what I ended up liking when you know I was listening to it a bunch to to get ready and stuff, and um, some of these these slower jams had a real unique quality to them they were the ones probably that weren't ripping off anybody and i mm-hmm. i i did i was drawn to those in the end like my initial gut reaction was that super angry like that was fucking cool like when, mm-hmm. and the one where she goes um uh that's pretty fucked up. like it's as if i didn't fucking exist or as if we never happened or something like that yeah. i forget what she says but these these random moments where she will drop the f-bomb and stuff i thought was awesome and it was angry and it was it was pretty fucking cool but after a few listens i was like this is an album for sure because now i'm getting into these other songs that weren't you know initially my style or whatever like that so i i I, i'll be perfectly honest i i did not expect to uh enjoy it much um of the imagination uh, i really didn't and then and then i was listening to it i was like oh this 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 is much cooler than i expected so uh, this cheers is th- to her on that. There's an authenticity to this stuff that it, that's what it is. Most yeah. pop music today or ever doesn't really have. Um, it's, it yep. doesn't feel manufactured. It's it's very earnest, um, mm-hmm. and it just feels right. It's got that. It ticks off that uh, authentic authentic checkbox that I, I I really look for in art that a lot of people don't. I don't think people care about, you know what I mean? (laughs) As you get get older, you don't have time to waste on stuff that isn't. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing that I found is like I can't listen to a million things in a day anymore. So it has to have that quality or it's not worth my fucking. Well, who am I? But like it's not worth my time. (laughs) And I I got to listen to my I got to listen to Abbey Road three or four more times each day as well. I got to where am I going (laughs) to where am I going to slip new stuff in? You know, I, uh, yeah, I, I got a, uh, I got so. Q and not you, no kill, no beep beep about lined up for the next hour and a half. So, yeah, uh, come on, yeah, what am I gonna do? Got to stick the schedule here. <laughs> yeah, um, nearly forty, goddammit. it! I really gotta get stuck in my ways. So, so speaking about being nearly forty, um, uh, so her and I, my assumption is that her main songwriting partner is his name's Dan Nyer, I believe. And he's like a 40 year old guy. He had some, he was like in some indie bands in the 90s, early 2000s. And um, now he's like a producer and he's producing things. Bootleg M Ward? I I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. 
she and him. Oh, oh, that's unfortunate. Okay, so there's also um, the songwriting partners for Taylor Swift. Um, not Auerbach, uh, Dan um, Aronofsky, I believe, and then the guy from. I believe that's the, a director. That's a director, yeah. Well, whatever. He's rich. He's not going <laughs> to listen to this or care that I said his name wrong. And the guy from the National. Um, oh, they're, really? they're, So what I, what I'm getting at is there's pop music that's just like bubblegum candy, and then there is pop music that is like it's pop music, and there is a craft to it, and there is an art, and. Mm -hmm. What I feel like is that for us, I don't know, I'm pointing to the three um, aging uh, white dudes in this, in this call, um, is that we're finally starting to remove our heads out of our asses and see that um, pop music can be its own thing. That's not the bubblegum because there's bullshit rock and roll. There's bullshit punk. There's bullshit jazz. Elevated pop. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. It makes me feel smart. I've been a Demi Lovato fan for like 15 years, so I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay to like the bubblegum stuff, though, too. Sure. It's okay to like anything. I, that, yes. That's why that whole, like, fucking, oh, it's a guilty pleasure. Just say but you like it, man. That's a really good, that's a really good discussion, though, because I would push back slightly and say it is important to challenge yourself. Yes, yeah. too. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, because because it is very easy to consume what is just handed to you. Like, mm -hmm. I love Delamitri. Uh, you know what I mean? But like, that's not something that I'm going to go out of my way to listen to. Like, if they were touring, I wouldn't go see them. Like, I do like and I feel like you need to challenge yourself, too. So that's I think that's why I've always been averse to pop music, because it seemed very obvious and easy and not challenging and that's why i'm finding the drums that... are usually not great on no. pop songs either yeah. you know what I mean? and just as a drummer too i think that's really a big part of it is like no thank you you know what i mean yeah. i could do this in my sleep with my foot there's there's a uh a, a genuineness to to this album and you know just, and, and the taylor swift her last couple of albums where she's worked with those other guys nah. mm. Yeah, yeah, it brought me back, like, speaking to the authenticity and how genuine it is. I think even just, like, just lyrically uh, alone, I think um, so many of the songs brought me back to mm -hmm. when I was that age and that experience of being in a relationship that is kind of toxic. And I think it's such, like, a universal experience. So even though I was, while listening to it, you know, a 30-year-old pregnant woman, I was back at, like, I'm a sophomore in high school and, you know, my douche boyfriend just did something horrible again and now I'm really you know fired up and angry and I think her ability to kind of transport you back to that moment and to that time is really because um, I don't feel that with ever there's so many breakup albums there's so many songs about you know being a teenager or whatever but I don't always feel like I'm really brought back into that moment the way that she made me feel that way now yeah. all I need is an album from a 36-year-old aging white guy about a college girlfriend who turned out to be QAnon. Because that's where I'm at. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, like, Maybe it's, it's me. Maybe I have to write that album. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you do. Wait, did you, did you know you know who QAnon is? It's, it's one of your ex-girlfriends? <laughs> no, she is a devout QAnon follower now. And oh, I, as, I consequently unfollowed the shit out of her. <laughs> you got to ask yourself, Nick, what did you do to draw, you know, to, oh, like, your, 
you're you part of it. Way? You're yeah. part of her ex- life experience. Yeah. And uh, she was part of mine, and I have a still a lot of issues with it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, oh, that man. that's hilarious, though. Um, it it is interesting that that it has that transportive quality because I know just having freshmen as my advisees. Um, what their relationships look like and, and the nuance of all the social media and the immediacy of having a record of every fucked up thing that a douche might do. Awful. Um, That's awful. It's awful because you can relive it over and over and over and over again. And this did feel like um, a relationship that was more akin to what I was used to or experiencing mm-hmm. in high school where, you know, you'd call and, 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 you'd you'd be on the phone or you'd see each other in real life and it wasn't just this like oh man i mean some of the conversations i hear they just they they get so deeply in their head second guessing triple guessing going back and forth about what this might mean or what that might mean and the cryptic nature of the time in between texts and like it's it's like it makes lying to your girlfriend so much harder (laughs) (laughs) you can't just disappear for an afternoon and you know but also everybody being in your business, like that was the one thing that I was wondering. <laughs> um, that was the only thing that I thought, like when I when I listened back to it. And now that I've listened to it so many times, I was like, man, I wonder if if that just wasn't a part of it, or if she just chose not to touch on that because so many of these these kids are are like getting sent stuff from other people mm-hmm. about fucked up shit that their that their partners are, are doing or whatever and. Um, she didn't really get into much of like in it, she didn't get into the weeds with that, which I thought was great because mm-hmm. it actually made for a more relatable album mm-hmm. is my whole point. Went off. On well, I think there's a universality that that obviously she went for um, mm-hmm. in, in dispensing with all of the the things of today. Because if, yeah. if I was a teenager today, Jesus. I don't think I would have made it. Because, <laughs> like, my brain does all of that shit you just mentioned by itself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can you imagine if you had a text to look at? Oh, fuck. Oh, I know. Oh, God. I know. I, th- and not, like, the saved, like, mead notebook note, you know, that was uh, yeah. ripped, ripped off and folded. It'd be like, hey, whatever happened to that Nick Mario guy? Oh, he literally just fired <laughs> off into space. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. Um but over, yeah, I mean, overall, I don't know what more to, to say about it than it was, it was really relatable. I was, I was impressed, and I, I dug the anger and the authenticity, uh, you know, completely. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor, not just you, anybody listening, check out her Tiny Desk concert. They did it at, um, mm. like, a vacant DMV, which is kind of weird. Um, it's pretty cool, though. It is. DMV is the worst place so on good. earth. Yeah, not when, yeah. Not when she's with her, uh, with her band, because it was <laughs> so good. Wow, that's high praise. That's high praise because mm-hmm. yeah. there's a lot of good tiny desks out there. Yeah, and it's like, good. and it's and it's and it's really nice to see Daniel like th- something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I just put down your latest collection, so the the slate was clean. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, just man. cleared all that that shit out of there. <laughs> Like I just mentioned, though, I'm going to think about that for <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send Nick a text and, you know, just get him going and then just, you know, dot, 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 never send it. 
You know, it'll just be, but yeah. leave it there. Leave it so the dots are just rolling yep. the entire yeah, time. You know what you should do? You should you should try and and get like a GIF of that and just yeah. send it. Send that, so it yeah. just looks like the a constant. That's brilliant. That's right. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You're oh, welcome. Wow. Yeah, Manip- you manipulative jerks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your God. Your God, Nick Gregorio, coming up with stuff he'd hate. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. again, again, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. It's Everything I do, I just hate myself. So <laughs> <laughs> final thoughts on the album, Gregorio. Um, it's, it's really good. Like if something feels real there, that's the door to get in. And then as soon as you're in, there's so much opportunity to really just sit and, and, and relax and enjoy it. And that's what you're able to do with this. Um, yeah. So, Yes, listen to it. It's really, 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 really good. Like we're, we're 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 pitching in like one of the most popular albums of last year. <laughs> yeah. You guys should listen to it. <laughs> Come on, guys. Found this gem it, here. It needs another billion plays. Let's do yeah. it. Let's get it. Let's get her there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any other thoughts before we move Kaylee? forward? Yeah, I'm just happy you all liked it. I, I felt like I needed to redeem myself after a purity ring. I really didn't think this would be the thing to do it, but I'm glad that it was. <laughs> so I was I like going to make a joke and... uh, about listening to the wrong album again. <laughs> yeah, what did you do, Promise Ring? Yeah, Promise, promise Ring. ring. Yeah. And this time yeah. I was going to be like, Olivia Rodrigo, I, I did... Rodrigo Olivia's. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Newton-John I just, or something. I just... Like, Watched a bunch of Olivia Munn movies. I didn't realize. Um, yeah. Uh, I missed yeah, the music I, boat. <laughs> yeah, I, I applaud your bravery on on choosing this uh, while thinking. I wonder if they're gonna. <laughs> I, <have no laughs> like, I picked the past one that was not great, but I'm gonna throw this one at him. Um, hey, I really like stuff. the Promise Ring. So. <laughs> That's good. Something good <laughs> came out of it. Let's move nice. into these beers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Um, fantastic. Uh, I am going to start because I'm just drinking something, um, that I thought would be tasty that in fact, Daniel, you gave me. So that's the connection here. I'm an outlier. So I'm going to get that one out of the way. This is a, um, a a Guinness gingerbread stout and I, uh, I choose it. My connection is loose and it's only that, uh, uh, gingerbread is extraordinarily nostalgic for me as is a Guinness. So I'm going to, uh, you know, connect that to the album, I guess. And and that's that. Um, Gregorio's got the marquee beer here. Uh, hey, so. yeah, I'm Which drinking a a, uh, a Barg's root beer <laughs> diet because I'm getting fat, and uh, I wanted something sweet. There you go. That sounds good. Did you say Barg's? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, another. He, that's he, not the thing. He bought it from the Affleck brothers. um i've got an arizona green tea today um because i'm nursing and i need the little caffeine boost but it is delightful as always (laughs) nick you got the marquee brew over there you want to want to introduce it for us here why yes i do Um, (laughs) oh sweet (laughs) (laughs) uh i've got workhorse brewing company's bonfire nights it is their smoked Mm. lager um and what if you've brewery. never had a smoked lager, it's it's a lager that has literally been smoked. It's, um, it's I very... am curious about that, though. Is that like they're putting a, you know, one of these um, like they do with meat, like a tube that 
forces the smoke into the carboy, like that kind of thing? I haven't I haven't asked about the process. I, I kind of feel like that is. But they keep saying something. We use, like, this type of wood. I'm like, are you just putting, like, the wood in there? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, well, I mean, I, it is a fascinating – I mean, it's a distinct – flavor that you can't really fake <laughs> so yeah um, yeah yeah but oh, absolutely I, yeah i will say like um i've had many smoke lagers and i've only had a few that are really really good and this is excellent it doesn't uh, some smoke lagers can taste like ham yeah <laughs> and uh, i don't want to feel like i'm drinking ham yeah not it, a ham guy d- <laughs> i love ham <laughs> is that is that dark uh yeah it's uh it's a uh, it's on the okay darker amber side that's yeah. a gorgeous the sun is striking mm-hmm. that, see that just perfectly that. It's got that nice ruby yeah, color mm-hmm. you know, see that and you, you're you know what's interesting that kind of brings back so many of the scenes in the book are at like dusk or twilight or mm-hmm. something like like right you at just take the, a photo the right sun's. there bang that's the color yeah. palette of the comic gorgeous, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah there you go that's it yeah. um nicely done but um as far as smoke loggers go this is really good um I, I it went went over well, so I imagine they'll bring it back next year. Um, but I felt it was perfect, obviously because I knew what time we were going to record this and what time the sun was going to come through this window, <laughs> and what exact glass I should use to refract said light. So. <laughs> You've done it. Well, well done. Buddy. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try that. I had I you know I smoke ribs and stuff all the time in the summer. But I've never, I've never had a smoked lager, so I'm super interested in that. It isn't ex- like you're. I remember uh, right before Christmas, I took my dad over to Workhorse. We were shopping for gifts for my mother, and he, the first sip he had, you, I, it, there was like so many things going on. He was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know what. A, that's really good. <laughs> Do it's I need confusing. a spoon for this? Or? Yeah. Because at first taste, it is an assault on your taste buds. You don't know what's going on. But then right. it settles nicely. Dude, I'll tell you what. This fucking gingerbread stout is gorgeous. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Holy shit, man. Like, Guinness with some allspice, ginger, mm. nutmeg, cinnamon. That's a that's a combo. That's a I doozy. Wish it was creamy like a nitro Guinness. You know what? I thought I was going to be disappointed um, if it wasn't, but I really don't care because it's its own thing. Yeah. Like, I like that it's its own thing. It's a, it's a gingerbread, you know, it's its, own, it's its own animal here. I'm glad Guinness can do stuff like that. I tried something that Guinness tried to, to go off, you know, into right field a little bit with one time, and it was not good. I forget what the hell it was, but it was like, a, you know, just a take on Guinness. It was not tasty. Yeah. Yeah, they do some experimental stuff down out of their Baltimore uh, plant. Yeah, this is the Baltimore, yeah. Okay. Open Gate Brewery. Yeah, really take a, delicious. Take a trip down there and swim in a vat. Hell yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't think they uh, bottle that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they won't have to because there won't be any left. <laughs> <laughs> just, do a, just do a Farva from uh, Beer Fest. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You know, before the character dies, you're like, that's awesome. Dude, yeah. I was so when you see it coming down. I thought he was going to do it. <laughs> he was going to like, man, he's going to drink that whole thing. He's taking gallons of beer down. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Um, Kelly, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on the uh the uh the uh, end of the 99 cent green tea? Oh, wait, how much like, is it now? 
129, bro. The fuck? Oh, That's I didn't miserable. know it's going up. Oh man. That's horrible. Well, in some places it's already it's already changed. The cans are are different. Did really? you get a 99? No, I have like it's actually a huge Arizona. It was like oh a, shit. A big <laughs> <one>. Yeah, <laughs> this is probably more than 99 was, cents. But <laughs> I did not expect to see that. That's astonishing that, that amount of gallon. That was a, that was a I have there. like insatiable thirst lately. I go through like just gallons of water a day. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, that's sad though. Joey, it's probably feeding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> 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 we. We've discovered the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Joey has a T-shirt. It's like Arizona green tea, ninety-nine cents. So it's sad that uh, he may. Yeah, man. I don't know. That'll be vintage. those sons of bitches. <sighs> that yeah. was my. I love that man. I would get so many of those. I mean, for years, that was my standby because it's so sugary. I was a Sobeyman. I used to think. Oh, really? Oh, baby, that oolong Ooh. tea. Ooh. Look at look at <laughs> this guy. Man, so that was. With the lizard on it? Yeah, you get the, like, the two lizards that made oh, an S. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, some nice, like, uh, they had... jizzy-colored iced tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, like, a, yeah, a, a white a white one that I <laughs> yeah. really liked because it was, like, a coconut. <laughs> oh. It was, like, a pina colada or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, they had a yeah. lot of different things. And I, I, I don't know what that. happened to that company because, you know, uh, they were really great. What you can't like, compete fortunes? with 99 cents. No, you What's can't. What, like, can't fortunes under the Yeah, it was, like, eleven fifty for a bottle. Eleven fifty. No, I'm just making. <laughs> come on, I didn't get anything out of you. Eleven fifty. That's nah, a ridiculous dude. number. <laughs> you're actually getting. I think you're so tired recently that your your straight man, like your straight face, is too too straight. It's like incredible. It, you know what I mean? Like I can't tell that you're joking at all. I really have no idea. Because <laughs> I I was upset about the Neil Gaiman thing. I was like, damn, I didn't really sell that. And uh, then, nobody's nobody's knocking you for it We're, everybody's <laughs> exhausted no, no worries at least get, not on air anyway we win some we lose some oh my god yeah. i got that five hour energy using me like a marionette and just <laughs> <laughs> dude oh man um yeah fantastic fantastic cool. i'm gonna introduce a rating system let's do it all right so um i first of all this was a pleasure thank you kaylee for picking these um i like the poetry collection you picked last time it's still one of my favorites um, not oh, only yeah. for the poetry, but the artist that it uh, was shining a light on. She, her new, her novel comes out next month. Yes, so excited, Monarch. Yeah. Who is it? Who's the um, author? Uh, Candace Wuell. Candace Wuell. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Remember, we couldn't say her last name the entire cast. Yeah. Now sure. look at us. Yeah, now but then, then, then you tagged her, and she followed all of y'all. But then I made a Wuell joke, and she didn't follow me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, still wow. kind of heard about that. <laughs> oh well, so you're I not give... helping your case here. I know. <laughs> She's like, "Fuck him! I'm going to keep it going." <laughs> Un- unfollow my follow. Going to follow you just to unfollow you. <laughs> I give the Lolo Woods um, fifty-seven out of an unknowable amount of repressed memories, <laughs> and that's high. That's, that's high. high. Yeah. Fifty-seven. Give... So we don't know what the ceiling is. No, you, it's unknowable. Uh, unknowable. That, gets the that doesn't word. mean anything then. How can you yeah. gauge anything? <laughs> He's, what he do you think it. would be a lot of, lot of repressed memory? No, I you know? get it, Daniel. I just think it's dumb. He doesn't get it. <laughs> I give Sour... I'll explain it to him. I give Sour an unknowable amount of unknowable <laughs> amount of repressed memories. That's a poem in itself. <laughs> it's, I feel like you changed what your original answer was going to be. Based Just on his outburst. <laughs> a little bit. 
And, and that's it. I'm not going to rate this fucking soda. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't. That's the worst root beer. Yeah. That's the worst. Pennsylvania Dutch was the obvious one if you were going to go root beer. It. They didn't have it. It's all they I'm had. glad you looked, though. You should have at least mentioned that. Because I wanted a can of mug. You know, that's really what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Talk about 90s. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I am going to say that um, the, uh, the Lolo Woods for me in its graphic novelization format uh, w- would be certainly uh, a, a, a 78, 78 uh, uh, repressed memories of an unknowable amount of repressed memories. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. Yeah, for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the album Olivia Rodrigo's Sour, uh, that that's probably a solid fifty two, uh, repressed memories of an unknowable amount of, yeah. of repressed memories. And uh, the Gingerbread Stout, that's a that's 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 an eighty five, uh, repressed oh. memories out of an unknowable amount of of repressed memories. Um, really, just it's got some baggage. Hitting, it's hitting the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got some baggage. I mean, it's coming from Guinness, so there's some baggage there. Um, but uh, yeah, and Baltimore, Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's hitting the spot today for sure. Noise. Kaylee. Yeah. One um, of you's got to go. Sorry. Nick's got the marquee beer, so we're gonna let him go. Last. The uh, the meme where you're like doing the math to try to figure out. Um, so. <laughs> I feel like a low number would be good of, to have, like, an unknowable amount of repressed. Like, I would want zero. But, all right, I will do. <laughs> That's true. That <laughs> is true. <laughs> that, it, that could be a good rating. So, for you, the lowest oh, is God. actually. You don't really want I repressed I feel so memories, stupid but... now. I feel so goddamn dumb. But then I'm like, I'm not sure. But out of, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I really liked Sour. And I really, really liked the Lolo Woods. Um, so, I would give them the best possible scenario out of an unknowable amount. <laughs> Whether that's a memory. lot or a little. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it might be. Um, I love an Arizona green tea as well. Um, they've never done me wrong. So I would put them right up there too. I'll give them 99 for the 99 cents. Uh, Great. Uh, 99 cents. Because <laughs> of the rice. 99 out of an unknowable um, press memory. <laughs> all right, Daniel. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the Lolo Woods an infinity out of an unknowable <laughs> amount of repressed memories. He does get it. <laughs> I'm going to give uh, Olivia Rodrigo's uh, Sour a, uh, a Gogolplex <laughs> out of an unknowable amount of repressed memories. And for Bonfire Nights by Workhorse Brewing Company, I'm going to give a kajillion. Out of an unknowable amount of repression. So he numbers. put a number on it. He did cap it. All right. A kajillion right. is not an actual number. A Googleplex is. Yeah, a Googleplex is, yeah. <laughs> that is a great that is a great word. It was um, like I was trying to I was like trying to Google it. <laughs> I was like, what's the freaking word that I God I need this word? Googleplex. Good stuff. Well, cheers um, to to all of you. Great to see you guys. Uh, fantastic choices, Kaylee. I really, I'm so glad. I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I teach a graphic novel that has some graphic, like sexual stuff in it that's like actually drawn out, and I'm thinking I might replace it with the Lolo Woods because oh, awesome. it covers the same things like queer themes and 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 sexual identity and stuff like that. What book um, is that? 
Fun Home, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Fun Home has some things in it that uh, some parents have had, you know, some some issues with. So not that they wouldn't have issue with this, but I, I dude, I'm so the kids love horror so much. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it. Think about cool. getting some class sets. I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you know if I do, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, but thank you for thank you for bringing it to my attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a blast as always. <laughs> of course. All right, uh, Nick. Do you want to take us to uh, take us there? Sketch. <laughs> Sketch. <laughs> All right. Uh, just a special thanks to Kaylee Tedesco for coming on and doing this with us. Uh, once again, I make this a, a yearly thing, perhaps. Um, well, we uh, we're we are we're we're she's our our October uh, guest. We just didn't do one this year because I had uh, a child. That's right. Was, yeah, That's right. You know? yeah. So Kaylee, though, uh, let the uh, listeners know um, what books you have out right now, where they can get them. You know, sure. so, give them a heads up. Um, I have three, uh, all poetry collections. She used to be on a milk carton is available from April gloaming publishing. Um, their website just got updated and they have like cool merch now too. So I'm happy for them. Um, yeah. And then, um, Lizzie speak about Lizzie Borden, uh, and forever house. My most recent collection are both out from white stag publishing. Um, they can be found on the white stag website and they are both also available at the spiral bookcase in Maniunk. So support your indie bookstore if you can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I have all of those. So wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Already did it. Yeah. <laughs> Same All right, folks. Well, listen, thanks for uh, listening to us and me especially because I, can, I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. Um, make sure if you liked our show, you follow us on the social medias. We're on Facebook.com slash Book Record Beer Podcast, on Twitter at Book Record Beer, and Instagram on Book.Record.Beer. Where we post nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so it'll be a bad follow, but we'll appreciate you. Um, and we're, you know, you listen to a podcast, we're there. Anywhere you do that. So tell your friends or friend, lonely bastard. Do it.